Hi everyone. Well, this is my first podcast and I've been interested for a while now about doing podcasts and I recognize that podcasts are the way to go. Um, I've been a community radio uh, presenter for a little while now, about five years. And one thing that I've learned is that the confidence that I've got from talking to people, um, most of our shows are pre-recorded, but what I've got is the, the fact that, you know, when you're talking in a microphone and you're talking to people, there's something that changes in you, especially if you're someone like me that was very shy, very, very, very much lacking in confidence and self-esteem growing up. Um, so it's very difficult for me to actually challenge myself to um, start start learning how to be a radio presenter. And our show is based primarily around the Black African Caribbean um, minority ethnic communities of Bristol here in the UK. And um, it's been an eye-opener. So what it's taught me is that my self-esteem and my self-confidence was based on my mindset, you know, thinking that I wasn't good enough, always checking in with myself, criticizing myself, listening back to what I'd recorded on our pre-record shows. But nevertheless, here I am five years later, and that's one side of my life. The other side is is that I'm a therapist and counsellor, energy healer, and um, yeah, life coach. So you can pick up my website on www.wellnessjourneys.co.uk for more information on all the stuff that I do. But a little bit about now, about, you know, my journey and wellness journeys, as I said, came about as a result of wanting to kind of document my life in terms of how I can help other people on their journeys and looking at how much of our life is based around our story. So that's where I start from our story. So first of all, what is your story as you're listening to me? Think about what is your story? Well, my story is that um, I was born to my mother who was English and my father who was Afro-Caribbean. And um, yeah, their, their relationship was very short. But nevertheless, you know, my father loved me. And uh, the last time I saw my father, I was about, must have been about eight. And the next time I saw him, I was 23 when he was laying on... Um, when he was in his coffin and uh, I'd gone to Los Angeles to bury him. That's a whole nother story that I'll go into. But those missing years of our relationship, I never gave up on the fact that my father loved me. There was something innate within me that knew that my father loved me. My childhood with my mother was pretty difficult. She suffered a lot of depression. Um, it, she was very volatile. So my childhood was never knowing what was coming next. We never had enough. There was always lack. We never knew what, you know, what was going to happen from one day to the next. By the way, I have two sisters. And um, yeah, so growing up, my confidence, especially growing up in a very racist part of Bristol in the 60s, was one of not feeling acceptable, never felt that I was good enough, 
always felt that I had to prove myself. But more importantly, looking back now, I was always hiding away. I never wanted to be seen. And that sometimes when I look at the work that I do now, especially around the inner child, working with clients with with childhood issues, I always relate back to my own childhood and the fact that I can't remember having cuddles or hugs um, and now understanding why. Uh, I found out about three years ago that my mother had had six children long before she had me. So that was an eye-opener three years ago in my 60s to find out my mother's secret life. My mother, by the way, died about 23 years ago. So everything started to fall into place once I learned this this part of her story and how that affected my story. So our story is something that we all have. We all have that story. And our spiritual growth and our personal development comes from way of our story and how our story kind of molds us. I always have to go to my personal experience because my personal experience was one of trauma very, very young, um, things happened to me as a child that I would never have believed that I that that didn't happen to other people. I thought it was just me. A lot of abuse, a lot of um, insecurities, a lot of abandonment, a lot of rejection. And it brought me to always understanding that I was never safe. So again, when we look at our story, I think it impacts on us that it's important to recognize some people say that we shouldn't re-traumatize ourselves or we shouldn't be re-traumatized by the past. But to understand where we're going, we really have to understand that the past has brought us to where we are now. And where am I right now? Well, I'm doing very well, actually, very, very well. I've had two marriages. I've had lots of disappointments. I've had uh, lots of friendships. I've given a lot. I've taken a lot. But more importantly, I've learned a lot. And I think once you can come to that understanding later on in life, it's very important to recognize that journeys are very valuable. And we want to always think about the good journeys, the good parts of our life. But to really appreciate the good parts, we really have to understand the bad parts. We're not even bad. They're not really bad. Everything is an experience. I never say that, um, you know, things things are bad. Things are experiences. When we talk about things, we talk about, you know, that's a, a, a short term for everything that uh, goes on in our life. So the inner child, um, my inner child really started to breathe um, probably about 20 years ago. And it was very liberating to actually acknowledge my child self, who I denied for so long. And I remember the first time that I looked at a picture of my child, my child self. And it was through a therapist telling me that if you bring out a picture of your child self and look at them long enough, that stirs up some sort of feeling, some sort of emotion that you have to deal with. It brings up some sort of memory. And for me, looking at a picture 
of my child, probably when I was about eight. It was very painful because I was thrown back into the trauma of actually what was going on in my life at that time. As I said earlier, my mother suffered from depression and anxiety and her outbursts were quite frequent. And it was my younger sister and myself that really hid in the background, not wanting to create any fuss and always being quiet, not being able to speak, not wanting to speak, not wanting to be heard because of the fear of what could happen to us. Whereas my my middle sister, her spirit still is and always was very strong and she would fight back she would rebel she was naughty she had a robust way about her that my mother couldn't handle so childhood for me was quite traumatic um although there were lots of good bits and I always saw my mother as a warrior woman you know she was always there for us to stand up for us you know if we were racially abused or if she was racially abused for having mixed race children. She always stood up for us. She was always there in the front, ready to fight with her warrior pose. I recognized many years later that as much as she was the warrior woman, she wasn't the warrior mother, the mother that would lay down that spear and would pick us up and cuddle us and cradle us and tell us how great we were how lovely we were and how beautiful we were and how when we came home from school my sister and I crying you know that we'd been called names or you know racially abused or bullied or beat up or any of that it's hard to imagine um it's hard to imagine that our child goes through so much and children nowadays in today's world go through so much and I do believe that I think children in today's world have it much harder possibly than what you know than what we had back in those days but I think um I think that all those experiences that I had really contributed to me first of all understanding that I had a certain gift and that gift was one that I didn't really understand as a child not even as a teenager and my gift what I look at now what I understand was my purpose and my purpose in life was to care for others was to give to others was to take care of people I always knew that I would never have children from a very very young age and that was because I don't know instinctively um it just didn't it it didn't feel right even though I'm a cancerian a very maternal side sign of the zodiac but you know I just always knew that I wouldn't have babies but then it came to pass that I've been a mother to so many and we don't always have to have give birth biologically to be a mother to others so I I was very given from a very young age um very very soft um and as I said very quiet what started to change in me probably was when I started to learn about the energy fields our human energy field and how we change we can change our story 
we can actually change our story um, as we go through life. So we don't have to be stuck in the victim of our story and the journey that we've been on. We can actually change the story as much as we can change course on our journey. So my journey, um, probably in the in the teenage years, was one of um, following others. I was never a leader. I was never a leader because I never believed in myself. I was never shown how to be a leader. So I always required um, approval and acceptance from other people. And this is something that I've learned as I've got older that most people do, you know, to an extent. You're either a leader or a follower from a very early age. And I think it's okay to recognize that you can become a leader in your own right to yourself. You can lead your own inner child to a safe place to acknowledge and to accept that life isn't always perfect, but it can be beautiful. So inner child work for me became something that I became very passionate about when I started to learn about energy healing. I found out that I couldn't have children and from that I decided that, okay, I was going to do something else. When I was 14, um, or should I say 15, I left school probably two weeks after my 15th birthday and I'd always wanted to be an artist or uh, a graphic designer but my mother said no, you need to go to work, you need to contribute to bring in the family family uh, income kind of bringing money in and be, being the oldest child uh, I complied with that so I left school sadly at 15 and I went to work in a factory and I worked in many different factories for the next 15 years um, by the time I was 30 I was married and I was um, in a different place I got tired of menial jobs and there was something on my journey that kept telling me you're ready to move on you're ready to do something different and that came when I had a near-death experience when I was 30 I had to have a hysterectomy a complete hysterectomy which really solidified the fact that I would never be a mother but I was actually fine with it it was my ex-husband that took it pretty bad which contributed to the downfall of our marriage but anyway it was all part of the journey and my destiny I went to study as a beauty therapist and from that I um, broke up with my first husband and I, I started to work for myself. I always knew from the beginning that I didn't want to work for other people. I didn't want to be confined to any sort of rigid routine. I wanted to be my own person. So my journey started again when I was about 30. By the time I was 34, I was owning my own business in a very prestigious area of Bristol. I'd um, found some sort of confidence whereby I started to define the world through my eyes and not through what I'd been shown. So my journey took another route. I started to walk another path and that was one of self-identity. Culturally, I'd always been 
kind of led to believe that I was different, that um, I wasn't good enough. But at the same time, my mother being English, there was a lot of confusion in how having an English mother, I wasn't always shown how to be a black woman in society. And I reached a point when I was about 34 of actually defining myself as a black woman in, in society and actually claiming that. And it was very liberating, very powerful, because society saw me as a black woman. And I'd experienced racism. I'd experienced being indifferent. But I'd also experienced kind of believing that I was lesser than who I thought I was. I was lesser than what I was. That was my core belief. And a core belief that stayed with me for many, many years. When I started to culturally and spiritually become more aware of life I started to change in many ways I I grew my hair into locks I got rid of the relaxer I started to become more natural in my thinking I became a vegetarian I started to look at the world differently and I started to set my moral compass in a way that I never had before by the time I was 40 my journey went on another path I'd lived up to then in about four different countries. I'd had experience of all different cultures, from the Mediterranean to Germany, to living in America, to living in in England. So I'd had different experiences from different cultures. And by the time I was 40, I went on another journey. I moved to the beautiful island of Bermuda, where I got a job. And um, things changed again. From there, I met an energy healing therapist at the place that I was working. And I had had an out-of-body experience of an energy healing session that really changed my life completely. I was suffering with carpal tunnel syndrome at the time from doing so much massage at a very prestigious spa, day spa, that really saw me working a lot with my hands. I was always fit and active. I'd been a runner for 20 years during marathons and always pride myself on taking care of myself internally and externally due to the fact that I'd had this near-death experience that almost was a spiritual turning point for me. Power in Prayer, that book that I read at that time, wow, that really changed my life because it taught me that Every experience we have to learn from, the good and the bad, the bright and the ugly. And I started to be thankful. I started to have gratitude for everything that happened to me in my life. Everything, all the bad stuff, all the stuff in my younger years that had happened that I'll probably go into in another episode. But I started to really evolve into understanding my spiritual nature which was a beautiful thing. When I had this out-of-body experience with this energy healing therapist, something changed in me, something shifted, and I wanted to know more. I'd been working on the physical body, but more and more, the physical body was telling me one thing, but intuitively, the person that I was working with was telling me something else. I was getting two different stories. One, what they were telling me, and another what their spirit was showing me. So 
through this experience, I decided to pack everything up. Everyone thought I was crazy because I was changing direction again. Um, and by this time, I was married for the second time. And I decided to move back to England, which I did. And I went to uh, the School of Energy Healing, the first of its kind, in the UK. Um, and for three years, the next three years, I became immersed in learning about the chakra system, personal development, um, all the different techniques of working with regression, past life regression, emotional instability, emotional healing, um, relationship cords. I learned so much. I learned so much about essence. I learned so much about grounding. I learned so much about um, clearing the back organ, old, stagnant energy that we carry to our will centers and how that stops us from growing. I learned so much about the astral plane and how much we hold at that level of the heart, unconditional love. Unconditional love was something that now I was starting to learn more about. And that took me on another journey because it introduced me to self-love. I started to meditate. I started to understand the beauty of life from travels to Peru, India. I started to understand that the different cultures of the world, we get so much, we cannot get everything from staying in one place. And I think this is where journeys for me is so important. We can't learn everything from sitting in one place. I traveled to about 20, 25 countries and I'd learned so much. But from every country that I traveled to, I was getting a new experience. If it was from the culture, if it was from the air, if it was from the smells, if it was from the um, indecency of the people, of the place that I was at. I remember being in India and having an Ayurvedic massage that put me to bed for two days it was so powerful. It took me into a place of understanding the insignificance of the superficial part of our being. Um, when I started to look at how we cherish the glamour of life, which for me started to make sense that being becoming a minimalist was more important, living with the minimal stuff that I needed in life started to become more important than actually envying those that had more than I thought had more than what I had. The richness of my spirit starting to watch how I was journeying to so many different areas of my life but more importantly over the three years at the School of Energy Healing I started to undo and unravel the past, I started to go deep into the trauma at a cellular level. I started to look at the pain of my childhood. Memories started to surface, things that I'd forgotten about, things that I didn't remember because they were too painful. And through that journey of healing um, and my personal development, I started to become, I guess, paying more attention to the world around me. After three years of being in the UK, I returned to Bermuda, where I set up my practice as an energy healer. 
And for the first 18 months, I remember looking back, you know, a one-hour session with, with an individual initially would probably go into two, two and a half hours because what I found out I was doing, I was trying to fix people. I was trying to fix them because deep down, um, I knew that if I fixed people, I would get something from it. So all those years of what I thought I'd found myself, I'd gone on this journey of finding myself and uncovering only to discover things and to recover from that, um, I found out that actually my ego was still pretty much in the driving seat. So that took me on to another journey where I started to surrender and that is where everything started to change, where I started to understand that You know, I can support someone on their journey, but I can't save them. And I think that's an important thing to understand that on our personal development and our spiritual unwinding and connecting to our authentic spiritual spiritual being, we have to understand that we're only here for ourselves. We're spirits embodied in this, encased in this physical human self with the human conditioning and the human experiences that we'd had that we carry around in our human energy field, what I call our baggage, our suitcase. We carry this stuff around and it's triggered at different times in life where things happen and it's a trigger straight away that takes us right back to the past. Why should I trust that person? Why should I be vulnerable to that person when that's happened to me before? I've trusted people in the past and this has happened. It's going to happen again. So just to stop there and pause to recognize that I'm still kind of of the understanding that the ego is very deceptive and the ego will make us believe that we've come so far, that we've challenged something and we've got over that obstacle and we're there, but we're not. Because as long as we're alive, we have that ego mindset. We're either in fear or we're either in peace. And once we can understand that, you know, at each at each junction of our journey, we can actually stop and say, who's acting out here? Am I acting out of fear or am I acting through my peace? Well, it's not my peaceful self, so it's got to be my fearful self. And we can't be in two places at once. We can't be in fear and being in peace. So my journey through healing um, in 19, or should I say in, in 2004, it started in 2001, in 2000, by 2004, I was very much engrossed in um, this journey of, of healing and um, kind of giving back to the world. And things started to change drastically when we left and we moved to South America, my second ex-husband and I. And um, I met a couple who were from Chile and they they were living and running a holistic clinic, a healing center. And I went to work for them and it was just the the best experience of working with people that I couldn't understand them and they couldn't understand me. But wow, did we do some healing together. 
Um, so it, it justified to me that the the universal language of healing is just that it's a universal language, and there was some powerful work that took place there between myself and individuals that I met on their journey. Moving back to England, it was a whole nother ball game. We decided to move back, and. Um, that's another story that I'm going to stop right now and probably uh, bring back to you um, for the next episode. But thank you for kind of listening to this episode. And as I said, you can check me out on wellnessjourneys.co.uk. Um, I've also got a YouTube channel, which is Wellness Journeys. So check me out. And um, I look forward to being with you again very soon.